0: Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller.
1: What is going on, Warriors? And welcome to episode 113 of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by the beautiful, knowledgeable, and ever-so-lovely Connor. How are
2: you? Good. How are you, babe?
1: I am good. We just got back from the gym and cleaned up a little bit. Things are good. Things are very good. We have settled back in since our holiday adventures. Uh, Bones and I talked about the holidays last week, but it was a bit of a marathon, And it's been good to be home. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Yes, amen.
1: Yeah. So we're going to talk about some stuff today. Last week, we talked about soreness, and Bones and I discussed some really practical ways to combat soreness, talked about what soreness actually is, and this week, we're going to address some nutritional things. So we're trying to hit some of these topics that around the New Year's, people are always wondering about and there's a lot of information out there there's a lot of fad diets there's a lot of fad workouts there's a lot of influencers on instagram who uh don't know shit and they're just (laughs) in it for money and so we're trying to provide information to you listeners and hoping that you will use this information and pass it along to others so today we're going to be talking about intermittent fasting Intermittent fasting it hasn't, hasn't had an interesting journey over the last couple of years. I remember when intermittent fasting was a big fad. I heard a couple of my friends were doing it, um, but I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand why because for a long time, and Connor, I think you can relate to this, the common advice was eat multiple small meals a day so then you can your metabolism can continue to work all day long, and it never yeah. stops working. And you're going to lose so much weight doing it. And uh, it didn't work; it never worked. Um, and I wasn't really a believer in, in intermittent fasting until we got together, and I started to learn more about it from you. Mm-hmm. And so we're gonna—I'm going to ask you some questions about intermittent fasting today. Are you ready?
2: Yeah, I do need to say. This episode comes at interesting timing because you just did your longest fast ever.
1: Yeah, yesterday I completed a 24-hour fast, which the, the longest one I did before that was uh, like 19, and that was just mm-hmm. like coincidence. We were out running errands, and we just hadn't eaten, and I remember it being really miserable. Like 19 hours felt... <laughs> I was, yeah. I was ready to slaughter something and just eat it raw. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, That's a long yeah. fast.
1: Yeah, it felt really long. But yeah, 24 hours was completed yesterday. That felt really good. I'm sure we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, during the episode. How did you get interested in intermittent fasting? Because like I said, I didn't really know anything about it. I didn't know, I mean, I didn't know anything about it until we got together. So how did you get interested in it?
2: Yeah, similar to what you said, I had heard about fasting and intermittent fasting, but I wasn't really interested in that. I was at a stage in my life where I was very calorie conscious, and I was counting macros and mm-hmm. training and worried about my protein, and that was that's where I was at at this point. I so in in the summer of 2019, I went to visit my dad and his wife Janice, and Janice was really getting into this intermittent fasting lifestyle. That's and pretty she fateful gave me trip, a pretty
1: faithful trip, if I remember correctly.
2: Yeah, this was a big... Changed a lot of things,
1: didn't it? This is a big turning point, yeah.
2: That's the summer that we got together, so... Yeah, you
1: came and saw me after you saw them. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah.
2: But yeah, on that trip, so you know this trip really well. On that trip, Janice gave me a book called Feast, Fast, Repeat. And it was by Jen Stevens. And it was considered kind of a comprehensive guide of intermittent fasting. And I thought, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to learn more about intermittent fasting only because I don't know a lot about it. I'm not sure if it's for me, but I like to just be well-informed, especially as a health coach. I just like to be well-informed about what what's out there, what other people might be doing, why they might want to do it. Yeah. Um, so I probably read that book cover to cover. In a couple days, maybe three or four days, I had finished the book. Um, it's it's a really easy book, I would recommend it to anyone who just wants to learn more about intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read that book. And I thought, okay, there's there's something to this. There's something to this. And I kind of started dabbling in inter- intermittent fasting a little bit. Okay. I wasn't doing it faithfully. I was kind of at that point in my life, I was, you know, waking up at 4 30 AM to go coach classes at CrossFit worthy. I was used to waking up at four and eating something. I would eat something in the morning, I would have eggs, I would would have oatmeal. So I thought, okay, well, I'm just not going to eat breakfast. And for me, that was, I'm not going to eat till 8 or 9 a.m. So really, most people would eat breakfast at 8 or 9 a.m. But for me, that felt kind of challenging just based Mm -hmm. on what I was used to. And then um, I would say a year after that, so we were in Reed City. I picked up a book called Lifespan. So Lifespan is a book by david sinclair, mm-hmm. and in lifespan i he talks a lot about the blue zones. Do you know what the blue zones are uh
1: only vaguely from hearing you talk about the blue zones so why don't you why don't you tell us
2: yeah i didn't I, again, it was kind of something I had heard of before, but basically, blue zones are these pockets around the world where there's cultures that live you know, well into their 90s, well into the hundreds as far as life expen- expectancy goes. Um, so they, they've done lots of studies in these blue zones. I think there's five or six regions, but they've done lots of studies and they've started to find strong correlations between these, these pockets and some of their behaviors and how that relates to their life expectancy. And one of the practices across the board between all five of these regions is fasting practices. For most of them, it comes from like a religious Greek Orthodox practice where they abide to um, a calendar where, where they fast in some manner based on this religious calendar. Mm -hmm. But across the board, most of these cultures are taking part in fasting rituals. So I was like, oh, man, there it is again. There it is again. Um, So that's kind of that's how I kind of got introduced to these ideas of fasting. um, And when I kind of started dabbling in in it myself.
1: Okay, so you got interested because Janice. Was Mm -hmm. starting to do it, who's your stepmom? started to do intermittent fasting and she gave you these books it's a big learning curve with all of the actual science behind intermittent fasting mm-hmm. so go simpler simpler question and i want a quick answer okay, uh when please. did you like first hear about intermittent fasting like just the the mention of intermittent fasting
2: man i maybe like 2016 2015
1: 2016 that that checks out that's about like when I started to hear about inter- intermittent fasting was 2015 2016 so yeah I was I was curious to know like when you heard about it and then when you actually started to get more into it so um, that gives a little more context to yeah the timeline so okay that's all well and good You're into it now, and to be fair, at this point we know quite a bit about intermittent fasting. You obviously know more than I do about it, but what is happening during intermittent fasting, like in your body?
2: Oh yeah, we should. We need to make sure we like just define it, and then we can talk about kind of what's going on. So what it what is intermittent
1: fasting? Okay.
2: Yeah, I think I think most people know. Um, Basically. Your body's either in one or two states. You're either in a fed state or you're in a fasting state. So intermittent fasting is basically you're just going for an extended period of time without eating, without eating anything. We all do this to some extent. You know, we all go to sleep at night. Most of us will sleep for, you know, six, seven, eight hours. In that period of time, we're all fasting. And that's where breakfast comes from breakfast is you're breaking that fast yes exactly i would say like the science behind it like why why is it good to be in this unfed state for an extended period of time what reach research has shown is it takes a certain period of time where your body doesn't have to dedicate a lot of time, energy and resources to digestion, which it does. Your body uses a lot of a lot of resources when it's digesting food. Right. When you can get beyond that state, there's a process in your body called autophagy. And this is where the benefits of fasting come in. Is autophagy is basically like your body's recycling system. Your body autophagy is going to help your body you know, upregulate certain hormones, it's going to go through, it's going to clear out a lot of debris and damaged cells. And it really is. It's like your body's cleanup service. Mm-hmm. And so that's the whole idea behind intermittent fasting is that we want. We want to be in these unfed states for, you know, prolonged period of times. So, you know, 12, 16 hours, you know, 24, 48 hours can give you some benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's all about it's all about getting your body to shift into this autophagy process.
1: So two things. I think most people are familiar when when you hear about intermittent fasting there's a thing called eating windows so we you know yeah what's your eating window look like what's your you know whatever and some people yeah will do 12 hours eating 12 hours not or yeah. you know 16 hours not eight hours eating um mm-hmm. or even like 18 hours fasting six hours feeding and mm-hmm. everyone kind of responds differently or there's different purposes for those different time frames but I think we, we typically go like 16 and 8, so we do 16 off, 16 fasting, and 8 feeding. But what's interesting to me is um, all, the, all the research and science pretty much shows you, get, you start to get benefits with about 12 hours worth of fasting. So if you could just not eat for 12 hours, and 8 of that being when you're asleep, and then yeah. 4 of that while you're awake type thing, you start to get some of the benefits. Something I've noticed is when I hit 12 hours of a fast, some interesting things start to happen. You're talking about like the cleanup uh, happening inside your body. And I notice mm-hmm. at about 12 hours, things start to leave my body at a much faster rate because <laughs> I feel like it's now I've now digested all of the food that I consumed from the previous day. And when that, I feel like when that happens, then it really starts to clean itself out. Like the, the digestion period has sort of ended and then Mm -hmm. the excretion period can begin. And then it's like, you're working on a clean slate. I feel like at 12 hours, 12 to 14 hours is when I start to feel like, okay, I am cleaned out and I am now maybe into some different part of the fast. Um, yeah. and I think that, that's going to probably happen with different people, but that's basically when you think about what the human body does, especially in our mm-hmm. day and age and really since like the, I don't know, I'll call it the eighties our almost our entire existence for the majority of people are, is dedicated to digestion. And then mm-hmm. once, once, and we don't, and your body doesn't know a time where you're not digesting food because we're constantly eating you spend 16 hours awake and you're eating from sun up to sundown and so all your body has time to do is digest. So I think it's interesting when you step back and experience some of this stuff the what you can start to pay attention to what your body's actually doing and you start to also realize like I'm not going to die if I don't eat every hour or every 2 hours or whatever. So yeah. um that all being said I I wanted to, to say that because I think everyone's going to experience something different. If they try intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. you're going to notice like eight hours in what something feels like, and then 12 hours in what something feels like, and then 14 hours in what something feels like, and then 16, and then 18, and then 24, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. So, and there's a lot of science behind all that. So when we talk about what's happening during intermittent fasting, give like a, an easy to understand idea of what's happening inside of your body when while you're fasting
2: so the biggest thing when you're fasting and honestly most people are attracted to intermittent fasting for weight loss you know Mm -hmm. they're trying to lose weight they're trying to lose fat so with intermittent fasting when you're when you're not eating your body your body's main fuel source is going to be you know the stored the stored glycogen in your body like your body has these stores your body is going to use up those stores first you know it's going to spend that cash first once you tap out and you use up you know all of those sugars and stored glucose you're going to your body's going to start tapping into fat for fuel so that's the idea behind you know the attraction with weight loss you want to fast long enough so that your body depletes all of its glycogen stores and can start tapping into using your own body fat for fuel and this takes a while this takes a while You know, some people say you're really not going to start tapping into those fat stores until you're beyond 24 hours. Mm -hmm. I will say you're going to get into autophagy. Like autophagy is going to kick in sooner if you exercise in a fasted state. Mm -hmm. So when you're exercising, your body's using up all of that stored glycogen, and you're probably going to start like dipping into your fat stores sooner. Yeah. Um, when that happens is going to be different for everybody. But...
1: I was going to expand on that point, if you don't mind, Ooh, real yeah. quick.
2: Yeah, 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 so go ahead.
1: Roughly, a pound of body fat has roughly 3,500 calories stored in it. And mm-hmm. depending on how heavy you are, how muscular you are, how much body fat you have, you're going to be able to your body is going to be able to survive for a long time, potentially, off of just the stored fat calories that you've already built up. So like me, I will be able to go a lot longer fasting than you will because I have more body fat than you do. And that's why when you watch a TV show like Alone, these people who go out in the wilderness for extended periods of time and whether they want to or not, they're fasting because they Mm -hmm. can't find food. It's generally the, the guys and girls who go out who are more muscular and more toned don't last as long because they don't have as much fat to feed from. Mm. And then you yeah. see these bigger people, they lose the weight fast, but they're able to withstand a little bit longer and also use more energy because they're burning from fat stores that they already have. So a good example of this, there was a guy who was five or 600 pounds, like morbidly obese individual, and he was, uh, there was a medically observed and, I mean, he didn't just do this because he, you know, just decided one day I'm going to do it and I'm not going to have any help from doctors or whatever. He fasted for over a year and lost, I don't, I mean, hundreds of pounds. But he didn't and he didn't die. He had it was water, coffee, tea, and he got mineral supplements um, Mm -hmm. because he had enough stored energy to last. I mean, a long, a long time. So Mm -hmm. because everyone's got their BMR, their basal metabolic rate, which is how many calories you burn if you just laid on the couch in one day. So like mine is twenty five hundred calories. I could just lay and do nothing and not eat. And my body would just feed off of my fat stores. And I'd be okay for a couple weeks, probably. Um, mentally, I wouldn't be okay. But physically, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, like, I would survive. So that I just wanted to like put, put the, more context into that. So there's about 3,500 calories of, uh, uh, stored in one pound of body fat. So when you're thinking like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm literally going to die if I don't eat. Or like you get hangry or whatever, um, which we're going to talk about what is actually going on when you start to feel hungry and you start to get hangry. Um, You're not going to die in that moment because chances are you have enough stored body fat that you're going to be fine. You could probably go on for multiple days. Uh, So anyway, digressing back a little bit. We're going to talk about what starts to happen when you feel hungry and hangry because that's a thing that happened, like you get so hungry that you're like, if I don't eat, I'm going to kill somebody. But mm-hmm. um, we're going to come back to that. So what are the roots of intermittent fasting? Where does it come from? Why is it all of a sudden coming back as it, and what sort of sounds like a fad? What is what is where are the roots?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about, well, we first kind of heard her it, heard about it around 2015, 2016. It was gaining a lot of traction in the diet world, but inter- intermittent fasting is is not new by any means. I mean, this goes fasting goes back to thousands times of, of years. ancient Greece. Yeah, I mean, ri- yeah, it's rooted. It's rooted in our ancestry. Yeah, people people have been practicing fasting as part of religious practices for many years. It's been a big like spiritual discipline. Um, I read somewhere that in the fifth century that it was said that people were already using fasting to cure illnesses. Mm -hmm. So people people would go to their doctor, which was probably like Hippocrates at the time. And you know they would recommend, hey, you're just not going to eat for a few days. Um, so it was already being used as a tool for healing way back mm-hmm. in the fifth century, which is, yeah. which is pretty amazing. Um, and it's it's I think what's cool now is there is there is a ton of research coming out. There's a ton of research that's going beyond animal studies that are showing all the benefits of intermittent fasting that go beyond weight loss. Um, but again, it's, it's nothing new. It's nothing new. It's been around.
1: People are using intermittent fasting these days to fight pretty like serious diseases, including cancer, high blood pressure, Mm -hmm. uh, diabetes, all of these things that Mm -hmm. really, if we think about it and maybe someone would probably argue well we they didn't have science like this back in ancient Greece most people didn't die because they had like congestive heart failure or their mm-hmm. arteries were clogged with shit and they were super unhealthy that's not how the majority of people died throughout history until i w- what the last i don't know 50 60 years maybe 70 years
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah uh sort of the after post world war 2 supermarkets fast food Uh, Our food sort of, our food supply changed. And with that came a lot of marketing. And there's, I mean, there's a whole lot to this conversation about when we stopped fasting because it was like, you got to wake up first thing and have breakfast and then you got to have lunch at noon and then you got to have dinner at six yeah. and got to have snacks yeah. in between and blah, 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 whatever.
2: I'm pretty sure that whole idea of breakfast and that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that came from, it was a marketing strategy from cereal companies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cereal. Com- I mean, cause all this excess grains and Uh, You know, supplies is like, what can we do with this stuff? Because we have all these grains sitting around. Let's make this thing and let's convince everybody that they need it, which like when we when we talk about breakfast these days, people are eating pancakes and donuts and uh, peanut butter, you know, Captain Crunch and all these things that are delicious uh, but you're literally eating dessert. That's how you're starting your day off.
2: <laughs> right, yeah. Don't, don't get me, don't me wrong. Get me I wrong. love that stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <Same. laughs> like
2: Same. I'm, I'm not going to say that. I don't I, like it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I love those foods. I mean, breakfast, you know me, like breakfast and brunch. Oh, my gosh, that's my favorite mm. thing to do. I mean, I love mm-hmm. pancakes. I love donuts. But man, it's interesting because I don't remember – where I was or who I was around, you were there, but you mentioned something like, oh, we're just not eating breakfast right now. Like, I, I tend to just not tell people that I'm fasting. I just say like, no, I'm just not. I'm going to drink coffee. I'm just going to wait. I usually just say, I'm just going to wait to eat breakfast, which is true. Like, I'll usually eat breakfast, but it's like 11 o'clock or noon. But we were... I don't remember who we were around, but someone said, oh, that's not good for you.
0: That's mm-hmm. not good
2: for you. And I, I didn't say anything, but I just thought it's interesting that people still think you got to eat up, you got to wake up and you got to eat breakfast.
1: Well, I think for the, the majority of the country, especially our, the uh, United States, it's ingrained within our generation and our parents' generation specifically that this, this whole like nutritional setup has been just hammered home and nothing really has changed within our circle. And within our silo, we're learning all this new information. And like uh, people understand the benefits of what intermittent fasting does and why it's important and whatever. But I would say the majority of the population doesn't know, they don't care. They don't want to know. I don't, I mean, Whatever. But I think in the next five to 10 years, there's going to be, I don't want to call it like a food revolution, but we're going to start to find out like so many of the diseases that are so prevalent in our society, whether it's because of fasting, I mean, whatever, food quality, fasting, all of these things are going to come together and it's going to be like, wow, what have we been doing for the last 80 years? We've been poisoning, poisoning ourselves. That's not the way. I hope. I hope that happens in the I, next five yeah. to 10 years. I think, but...
2: I think it's already starting to happen, to be the honest. The other thing I'm going to say:
1: we are not perfect with this. Like, when we go on vacation, we try our best to, to wait to eat, especially when we're eating a lot. Um, but, like, it's a good practice to try to be consistent with more often than not. But you're not always going to be doing this. It's just not how life works. Um, but,. Man, we've really di- we've really digressed back away from what the question was. But anyway, bringing, out, bringing it all back, intermittent fasting has its roots in who we were wired as as human beings, as cavemen, as Neanderthals. And then, like you said, it kind of evolved as history went on into a spiritual practice because it's a discipline thing. You kind of see things mm-hmm. more clearly when you're not just worried about where your next meal is coming from. And then it's now kind of turned into and it went away for a while in the mainstream it's kind of come back as Mm -hmm. a fad diet which that's what a lot of people looked at that's what I looked at it like uh one of my friends specifically Chris he started doing intermittent fasting I remember it was like 2017 uh Mm -hmm. I was at his wedding and we were in his kitchen talking about how he just doesn't eat sometimes until three or four and then he'll stop eating at six um Mm -hmm. or like whatever whatever and I was like that's wild How do you do that? That's so crazy. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. It took a while to figure out and understand that it is good for you. And here's why. So why it's really hard for some people to understand intermittent fasting and why um, they're like, oh, I could just couldn't do that. I just have to eat. I have to eat because if I don't, Mm. I'm going to get hangry. Mm -hmm. What is actually going on inside of you when you're when you're starting to feel hungry? Um, cause it's proven that is if you are just, if you're doing a normal fast and you start to feel hungry, what is that coming from?
2: Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, cause we've both experienced this. I think everyone's experienced this. Um, we, everyone has this hunger hormone called ghrelin. So ghrelin is the hormone that your body releases that, kind of stimulates hunger, stimulates appetite. And what they've observed with ghrelin is it it cycles. It cycles based on the meal times that you're used to. So if I'm if I was used to waking up and eating at five o'clock in the morning, my ghrelin would naturally start to spike every morning at 5 a.m. And mm-hmm. I would feel that oh, I'm getting hungry. I feel that pit in my stomach. And oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get hangry. Um, the thing, the thing that people don't realize is you expect that feeling to get worse and worse. You're just, you're thinking, oh, I'm hungry now. If I wait any longer, this feeling of hunger is going to go from hunger to ravenous to starving, and you just expect it. Then I'm going to murder somebody. (laughs) And then you're going to, yeah, and then I'm going to kill somebody. So what actually happens is ghrelin will peak, and then it will subside. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it it will peak, um, and that's the hardest part for people is, it's it's a little uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to sit yeah. here and feel hungry. But if you know that okay, this is the worst it's going to get and then it's going to subside. Yeah. It's easier to ride that wave. And then also knowing that your hunger hormone is because it cycles with your meal times, the longer and more consistent you abide to these fasting windows, the easier it's going to get because your body is going to get used to when it releases that hormone. So now if if I don't eat until, you know, 11 or 12, my ghrelin really won't start to spike until 11 or 12 cuz that's that's what I've just gotten in the ritual of doing.
1: Yeah, I noticed it yesterday. Um, normally I start eating around 11 or 12 as well. And I, I noticed at noon when I hadn't eaten anything, I like, it was like an emergency. <laughs> I am hungry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And w- yet all I did yesterday, because I kind of rode those waves for a couple, of, it was like five hours. I was riding like the hunger waves. When I would mm-hmm. feel that wave, I'd get up and I'd pour like a 16 ounce glass of water and I would just chug it. And then typically I would try to have like some coffee um, at the same time. Oh, yeah. So every time I was like, I can't go on, I'm going to eat something. It's like, nope, 16 ounce glass of water down the hatch and then a little bit of coffee. And then I was fine for another hour or two and then it would spike again. Um, And I never I also never felt like even though I drank more coffee than I typically do yesterday, I never felt jittery or irritable or whatever it was like mm-hmm. the coffee has served a purpose and i definitely felt the appetite suppressing qualities of the caffeine um but yeah the ghrelin is a real thing and that's what you're feeling when you feel hungry and miserable and you know hangry like it's a it's a ho- hormone in your body and it's crazy to me how fast this can change so, like when we were spending time with my family I was waking up and eating at like 5.30 in the morning. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when we came back home, as soon as I'd wake up, I'd be like, oh, man, I'm so hungry. <laughs> yeah.
0: But within a few yeah. days,
1: that started to subside. Um, and now I noticed that yesterday, like, oh, I'm getting hungry about the time I normally eat. But once you push mm-hmm. past that, and it's, it's not an emergency. We're not, in a, we're not in a time where we're cavemen and we're going to die. It's just not how it works anymore. Yeah, Um, and once you can kind of rationalize that, it'll it'll help.
2: It it does help. Just understanding that you know you can ride this wave. You can ride this wave. You can drink water. You can drink black coffee. Um, I think it's important to say that too. Is yes, you should have water. Um, you should have a lot of water. Yeah, if you like coffee, drink coffee. Um, there's. There's lots of conflicting information out there on what you can have during your fast and what you can't mm. have during your fast. Yeah, and I think ultimately everyone's going to be different. You know, some people would say, "Oh, you can have something if it's less than a hundred calories, or if it's only twenty-five calories." Um, the biggest thing for me is you don't want to have anything that has a taste or Mm -hmm. a flavor, especially sweetness. You don't want to have anything that's sweet, um, because that's going to spike your insulin and that's going to cue these digestive enzymes. And it's going to basically, it's not going to allow you to get into autophagy. So some people will say like, oh yeah, like I don't eat breakfast, but they'll use coffee creamer. Right. I mean, the coffee creamer, it's it's going to put you into a fed state because Mm -hmm. it's already it's spiking your blood sugar if it's especially if it's a sweet flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, They generally say, you know, coffee isn't really going to do much. Water's great. Um, But, yeah, I think some people need to experiment with that. And then, if you're not getting results with fasting, like there's definitely this transition period, which can vary. It can be two weeks, it can be six weeks, it can be three months for some people to really transition, get comfortable with intermittent fasting. If you're not getting results, and I mean results as in like weight loss results, I would start to look at some of those things like, okay, are you are you putting coffee creamer? Are you using pre-workout? Are yeah. you... Um, Even like, supplements you like in-
1: fish oil, creatine, and pretty much that's the one thing I've had to kind of come to terms with is because I, I was like, oh, I can have pre-workout, but my pre-workout mm-hmm. is like lemonade flavor or whatever, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh, I could have my supplements... I can have my multivitamin and my curl oil and whatever. But still, though, that, that there's a tiny amount of curl oil in these capsules, but there's still calories in those. And that's still mm-hmm. going to be something that your body's like, oh, I have to start digesting food. And that's mm-hmm. what I noticed yesterday riding the longer wave was I felt different consuming nothing but water and coffee. That's all I had, water and coffee, no creatine, no supplements, no and no nothing Except for those things, nothing sweet, um, and because before it's like, oh, I'll chew gum, I'll chew gum, and yeah, like that'll that'll one. help. Yeah. And I think a lot of people probably do that, but it's still it's the same idea. It's take it's, and that was hard for me to come to terms with, and it still is. It's mm-hmm. like this is so dumb, this is so dumb, because in the moment you're like, yeah. I'm. I just want to chew a piece of gum and it'll be fine. Cause there's like two calories in gum, but that's not how it works.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I'm glad you said that. I think it seems, it seems logical like, Oh, well I'll just chew gum, but the act of chewing the sweetness in the gum is going to spike your blood sugar. It's going to release right. insulin, insulin. And when you're chewing on something, your mouth is producing enzymes. Like that's the first stage of digestion. And so you are, you, you're, you're, delaying, you're delaying the autophagy process and you might, not mm-hmm. being, you might not be allowing your body to get there. But in your head, you're like, oh, like I'm doing it and it's just not working for me. It's like, you know, this is all self-experimentation. So some people might say, you know, I, I put MCT oil in my coffee during my fast and I'm fine. It's like, okay, that's great. That's self-experimentation. If I did that, I'd, I wouldn't be fine. I mean, you could say that about, you know, flavored sparkling water, even flavored coffees like hazelnut coffee. There's lots of things that have flavors to them that even though they're zero calories, you still might be kicking in those digestive processes um, without really knowing it so your your honestly, your best bet is just to just to go out
1: unflavored tea or coffee, yeah
2: Pretty and much. also and also it is you're training your body to not always have to be chewing something, like we right you're you want your body to get better with you know regulating its insulin levels. Um, I've heard that even with intermittent fasting, like your body will downregulate that hunger hormone ghrelin. So you'll be, you'll be better able to manage your hunger hormones where eating does not feel like an emergency.
1: Eating should be like a fun feasting time. And yesterday, that's how it felt when we, when I did finally eat, it
0: Mm -hmm. was like, this
1: is the best thing I've ever eaten. This is literally the best thing I've ever eaten. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're like, man, like, yeah, this mm, is, this so, is good. so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that say, was cool.
1: I enjoyed that feeling.
2: Yeah. It's you look forward to mealtimes. Um, I will say, just going off of Ghrelin, um, one thing that I noticed, and I don't think this is gonna be true for everyone. This is more just personal experimentation in my experience. If I wake up in the morning, And we work out early. If I do a really hard, intense workout, when I'm done with that workout, I almost feel like my blood sugar drops Mm -hmm. and I feel zombie like. Like I feel kind of foggy and I feel like I'm in a haze. And I think for me, I would do better if, um, I exercise, but did something like low intensity, because Mm -hmm. exercise is going to help you tap into those glycogen stores and kind of use them up. But intense exercise for me feels too taxing. Where a twenty-minute
1: CrossFit workout is going to feel really hard, and you're going to feel shitty after
2: yeah that's been my experience i i think other people might experience something different but there are some days where we go and we work out and if i'm fasting and i do a hard workout those days are harder for me because i'm like oh man i just feel like Mm -hmm. i i've got nothing the wind has been knocked out of my sails i feel completely depleted and water and coffee just isn't cutting it
1: yeah Well, and I think, too, because I don't get that feeling as often, because, Mm -hmm. um, and this leads into my next question, there are differences between men and women and fasting rules, sort of, Um, Mm -hmm. so we're sort of running out of time so quickly, Uh, what's the biggest difference between uh like me fasting and you fasting what do we have to take into account
2: generally men men can do longer more aggressive fasts so men typically do better with you know 16 24 hour 48 hour fast um again women are going to be everyone's going to be different in general women do better with shorter fasts so more along like the 12 hour line the 16 hour line
1: is is that have to do with like our hormones are different men run on more testosterone women on more estrogen is that does that come into play at all or is it something different
2: yeah women's hormones are just more sensitive they're more sensitive to these these types of changes that we're making um I mean, I know women that do longer fast, you know, the 24, 48 hour fast, and they have no issues with it. I would just like, if you're a female that wants to experiment, start with 12 hours and kind of tiptoe your way and just see how you're feeling. Um, If... I mean, especially around like your menstrual cycle, like if you start experience lots of changes around your period, if you start losing your period, then, you know, like maybe back off, maybe back off and do do a shorter fast.
1: Yep. Listen to your body.
2: Listen to your body. Yeah.
1: great. And then I have a question uh, from Bones. So Bones wrote in with this question. Can you bulk while doing intermittent fasting?
2: yeah i like this question well because bones like
1: he's gone through a period of where he was really scrawny and he bulked up and now he's like pretty beefy um and so this would be important for him to know
2: yeah it's so intuitively you want to say well if i'm fasting i'm not building muscle because fasting is a catabolic process you know fasting breaks down things we don't need anymore Um, The thing is, is fasting also encourages what's called anabolism, which is where your body can rebuild and create new muscle cells.
1: Because it's not digesting Um, food.
2: (laughs) Exactly. So, okay, there was, they've done one study. um, It was a 2019 study on metabolic reactions of fasting. And so what they found is that there are compounds in your body that promote muscle growth and also reduce the breakdown of muscle. And this this specific study showed an increase in these compounds. So these compounds are things like um, branched-chain amino acids. Um, they increase human growth hormone, which preserves muscle. Um, and then there was another interesting study in 2016 that compared fasting to calorie-restricted eating. So this is interesting because they, they took two study groups. One study group, they, they put on a calorie-restricted diet, which is what most of us try to do. And then this other study, they just put them on this like intermittent fasting diet. And what they found is that the group that was doing the fasting, they actually increased their lean muscle mass by 2.2%. Mm-hmm. So their muscle actually increased versus the calorie-restricted eating um, group. I,
1: I, you're, the, you're the nutrition expert, but I think if you're trying to bulk, intermittent fasting isn't necessarily about eating less calories. That sort yeah. of happens, especially if that's kind of your goal. Like if your goal is weight loss, that's yeah. easy to attain. But if you are bulking, you can still fast and be in a calorie surplus because in your window, so if my window is eight hours where mm-hmm. I can feed, if I'm filling that window with 5,000 calories of high quality protein, carbohydrates, like quality supplement, I mean, whatever, then I'm still mm-hmm. going to get the benefits of. Being a calorie surplus, which is bulking, so that that would be like my simple answer. I'm not a nutritionist. You're you know more the but like like if you eat in a calorie deficit, you're likely going to lose weight for a period of time. If you eat in a calorie surplus, you're going to gain weight. Depending on what you're doing, you're going to gain more muscle too. What you're doing, what you're eating, you're going to gain muscle mass as well. So intermittent fasting is not starving yourself. You're still allowed to eat.
2: yes uh generally you're you're gonna build muscle when you're in a surplus your body needs building blocks to build muscle i think what they're finding is doing intermittent fasting doesn't mean that you're going to lose muscle doing calorie restriction however you may lose muscle mass in addition to losing body fat
1: so if you're going to intermittent fast And this is more of a question. If you're going to intermittent fast and you want to bulk, you probably want to be a little more diligent in tracking your intake so you know, like, okay, I know that I'm consuming 4,500 calories or 6,000 or whatever your, Mm
0: -hmm. whatever
1: your surplus is going to be. Um, You want to just be more diligent about tracking that so you can make sure you're in that surplus.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, that's an interesting question, especially when you pose it to me, because I've really stepped away from tracking, you know, I was Mm, a diligent. Yeah. yeah, You know, I was a diligent, like I got to track my macros. I got to track my calories. I got to track every little thing, my steps, my sleep, you know, how many, how much I'm doing in the gym. Um, I've really stepped away from that. And I think one of the benefits I've gotten from intermittent fasting is just eating a little bit more intuitively. Mm -hmm. Um, I I'm interested in knowing with with training if I'll still experience like gains as far as the gym goes. And it would be interesting for us to, you know, do um, like some sort of body composition test where we can kind of get a baseline of like, okay this is where my muscles at. This is where my body fat's at.
1: And here's where it's at after a month of strict fasting.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the answer to that. And there's probably studies mm-hmm. out there um, yeah. that I would be interested in reading, but I don't, I don't really know. All I know is I'm enjoying having a little bit more flexibility with my eating, but also mm-hmm. tuning into, you know, what does my body need? What does my body want? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think when i first started fasting i felt a lot more freedom of like i can eat anything i want in my fasting window i'm gonna i'm gonna eat cake and candy and donuts but really the truth is is i i don't feel that way i mean i feel like i eat a normal dinner you know we have treats every once in a while but i don't feel like i go crazy during my fasting window because if i do like My stomach just gets full faster.
1: Yeah, I I was going to say, I think that the longer that I've when I when I do fasting more uh, strictly, uh, I notice that I crave more nutrient dense foods and less of that stuff. I still enjoy that stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. but Like if
1: I break my fast with deep fried foods, that Mm -hmm. kills my stomach.
2: Doesn't feel like, good, yeah. It
1: kills my stomach. And so yeah. it's like being a little more cognizant of, okay, what does my body actually want or what mm-hmm. does it need and what does it want? And kind of taking it from there. So yeah. um this has been a very good jumping off point. And we you we could talk about intermittent fasting and like the historical pieces and the Biological, like all of these things for hours, and maybe we will come back to it. And if you have any questions, send them to our Instagram, send them to our Facebook. You can email us at weeklywarriorpodcast at gmail.com, and maybe we'll come back and do another episode about fasting because there is so much to talk about and there's so much untapped potential. Also, while you're on your computer or your smartphone doing that, make sure you leave a rating and a review on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you listen to your podcasts that really helps our visibility helps us reach more people and also share the best way to do it is to share with a friend or a family member and give them the benefit of our knowledge
2: it would be fun to for you to kind of document your experience with intermittent fasting and for us to come back on and do do another episode because I think my experience with it since starting to dabble in it in like 2019. And then I do it routinely every day now. I mean, I Mm -hmm. just don't eat till noon. That's just, that's just what I'm used to. And that's the routine. I've been more resistant to it (laughs) that I mean, that's okay. It's all, everyone's on their own journey with it. Um, yeah. I don't think I had any like mind blowing um, observations as far as like I lost all this weight and you know whatever. The only thing I can say is I feel like I have a more sane and healed relationship around food because I came from a background of like restriction and deprivation. So yeah. it feels very freeing to know that hey, if I want pizza, I can have pizza if I want a donut, I can have a donut, you know, just making all foods available. Mm -hmm. And the fact is I typically don't want those things. I typically want, you know, something like you said, nutritious. Um, So I think just having a better relationship with food was my biggest thing. Um, I may have lost a little weight, Um, although it's hard to say because I, you just can't go by the scale. You can't go by the scale. Like maybe the scale dropped like five or eight pounds, Mm
0: -hmm. but
2: it was also a time in my life when my training changed. So I don't know if that was fat. I don't know if that was muscle. Um, but I, I think the self experimentation piece is cool. And I think it would be cool for you to continue to experiment and kind of document you know, your own observations of what's happening for you.
1: Well, let's come back and we'll talk about it again. So yeah, until next week, when you join us again, thank you all for being here. And we will see you next Sunday when you can discover your warrior within.